Morning, everyone. If you have got a Bible to hand, it'd be great if you could open it on page 970. We're going to be focusing on the second of those readings, the readings from uh, the reading from Matthew's Gospel, and uh, it's Matthew chapter five, verses thirty-eight to forty-two. And I love the fact that the Bible perfectly describes who we are and what we're like. It describes us as created in God's image, loved by God, capable of great acts of kindness, creativity, courage, and of generosity. But it also describes us, each of us, as fallen and sinful and rebellious and selfish, in need of a saviour to rescue us and transform us. And as well as the Bible perfectly describing what we're like, the Bible perfectly describes what life is like as well. It's very realistic. And uh, a lot of the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is very down-to-earth, realistic teaching. And today, we're looking at difficult people. And there will always be difficult people out there. And there will always be difficult people in here. And you might be one of those people on occasion. And I am certainly one of those people on occasion. The likelihood is that over the course of our lives we'll have all been wronged many, many times. We'll have all encountered our fair share of difficult people and we'll have all wronged other people as well. And in this passage, uh, just the five or so short verses, Jesus looks at four areas where we're likely to be, have been affected four areas where difficult people actually take something from us. That's what they're doing in each of these uh, examples that Jesus gives. So when they slap us on the cheek, in verse 39, they take our dignity. And this was something that was incredibly humiliating uh, to happen to someone in Jesus's culture. And still today in the Middle East, if you get slapped, it's an incredibly humiliating thing to do. Your dignity is taken from you. The guys who want to sue us and take our tunic, well, they take our possessions, don't they? The things that are important to us, the things that we need for everyday life. Uh, The soldiers who force us to go a mile, well, they take our time. And the example here would have been a Roman soldier who's forcing a subject to go the extra mile, to do something that actually they weren't required to do. And this was like when Simon of Cyrene, remember in the story of, of Jesus and the, the uh, leading up to his death, he was forced to carry Jesus' cross. And that's the kind of thing that going the extra mile meant in those days. A Roman soldier could just take anyone and say, you do this. And then finally, these folk, when they ask us for money, guess what they take? Our money. So these four areas, there's the sense of these difficult people, what they're doing is they're taking things from us, things that we desperately want to hold on to, and there's that sense of having no control over what they take, dignity, possessions, time, and money. And we've all had these things taken from us that we don't want to give. We all have felt, haven't we, on occasion, cheated and wronged and abused, and that's left us feeling vulnerable and angry. And the question that Jesus addresses for us here in the Sermon on the Mount, this down-to-earth, gritty, practical teaching is, okay, it's going to happen. How do you respond? What do you do when when you encounter difficult people? And I think nowhere in the Sermon on the Mount is the distinction greater between what's expected of us as Christians 
and how the world behaves. But when we come to this passage, there are probably all sorts of questions going through your mind even now, other than how long is Martin going to speak for? Uh, Are we going to finish on time? I'm talking about questions relating to the passage. So does turning the other cheek mean we have to be doormats? Is that what Jesus is asking us to do? Does going the extra mile mean that people are going to take advantage of us? Doesn't Jesus care here that justice is done? He doesn't seem to. Does it mean that what these things that have happened to us don't actually matter that much? Or if we don't fight back, then are we simply letting these folk, these difficult people, off the hook? And so they'll then do the same thing, repeat the same behavior with someone else. Well, here what Jesus does is he teaches us how to respond in what he says, and he it shows us how to do that as well in how he lives. And then by the Spirit gives us the power to do it. And just a couple of, of broad themes, really, from the passage. And the first way that Jesus encourages us to respond is to rise above revenge. And it was JFK, John F. Kennedy, who famously said, don't get mad, get even. And this is the kind of advice that's liberally given, isn't it? If you watch any daytime TV, any chat shows, you'll hear that out of the mouths of so many of the callers, the participants, uh, even the hosts. So I've been told, uh, never watched any myself. You'll hear it over the garden fence, won't you? You'll hear it in the pub. You'll hear it at work at the water cooler. The advice, if you've been hurt, if you've been wrong, then stop feeling sorry for yourself. Go and get them back. They'll suffer. You'll get even. You'll feel better. And I don't know if you've uh, seen some of these uh, postcards and posters going around. the, The initial one was keep calm and carry on, but it's had all sorts of other things added. And here's one, keep calm and get even. That's the advice that the world would give. Maybe you've given it yourself on t- at times. And some would even say that that advice is backed up by this passage. Revenge is justified by eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I don't know if you've heard that as well. That was the Old Testament, but this is the New Testament. But eye for eye and tooth for tooth was actually given to Israel in the Old Testament, to prevent private revenge. That was the reason that it was given. It was different from all the other law codes at the time. And it was given to stop the downward cycle of uh, violence and revenge that was very common in Old Testament times, which kind of went something along the lines of, you take my eye out, uh, I chop your hand off, you kill me, my brother slaughters your family. That kind of escalating violence. And what Jesus is saying is that the crime must fit the punishment. The punishment must fit the crime. No more. Certainly no more. So eye for eye set an upper limit on the penalty. But also, there's evidence it was never actually strictly enforced. It soon became a financial penalty uh, rather than a physical penalty. But most importantly, it was always, always administered by the judges of Israel by our modern-day courts. It wasn't for private individuals to take revenge. So eye for eye limits private personal revenge and blood feuds by taking it to the courts and saying, setting a maximum penalty. And what Jesus does here is he deepens the Old Testament teaching about not taking revenge. 
deepens the idea that judgment is not for private individuals. Earthly judgment is for the courts, and eternal judgment is for the Lord. And Paul says something very similar in Romans 12. He says, do not repay evil with evil. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. And Jesus, uh, he perfectly demonstrated this in his life and in his death. And as Peter noticed, he said, when they hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. So Jesus is saying, rise above revenge. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Learn to forgive. And I came across an example of this just a few weeks ago. Uh, I took a number of our students to Momentum, a big Christian conference in Shepton Mallet. And on this, I think the second last night, there was a night of testimony, and a 28-year-old stood up in front of 5,000 people, and he said, four weeks ago, my wife left me for another man. And he said, but because of my experience of what God has done for me, because I know I've been forgiven by him, I'm able to forgive my wife. Now, that's not to say it's going to be easy for him, but he was able to rise above revenge and offer forgiveness. And it makes perfect sense. In in the year 2000, the Daily Express, uh, which I don't read either, as well as not watching uh, these TV shows, (laughs) ran an article with the headline, Bearing a Grudge Can Hold You Back and Even Damage Your Health. And there was an interview with a, a lecturer at Leeds University who was running the first forgiveness course that the world had offered, recognizing that actually holding on to stuff physically, emotionally, and mentally harms us. So that's the, the first thing that Jesus is saying to us, is to rise above revenge. But that still leaves us with some questions unanswered, doesn't it? Is this simply too passive? Does it mean simply sitting back and doing nothing? But if you look back at these examples, there's nothing passive at all about any of these examples. There's nothing passive about rising above revenge or about learning to forgive. But the way that Jesus calls us to respond in these examples, it actually changes the whole dynamic of each of these situations. So we're not to repay evil with evil. We're not to adopt the style of the person, the difficult person, the person who's wronged us, but we're to rise above it and we're to show a better way. So turning the other cheek, it's not a passive surrender, but actually in turning the other cheek, you take charge of the situation and you don't shrink back and you're attempting to overcome evil with good. To hand over your cloak as well is actually taking the initiative, isn't it? And it's blessing the person who's wronged you with the outrageous generosity that God blesses us with, we who've wronged God and deserve nothing ourselves. Going the extra mile voluntarily shows to the oppressor, the Roman soldier, whoever is the oppressor in the particular case, it shows a freedom. It shows that we're not under his orders, but we're under higher orders. And that's the same thing that the, uh, the proverb is getting at, about heaping burning coals on their head, that when we repay evil with good, the one who has done the evil and the injustice 
doesn't know what to do with that, with the generosity, with the grace, with the forgiveness. And that is the same sensation as having burning coals heaped on their head because we are taking control of that situation. We're showing a better way. And this shows that people don't control you. It shows that evil and injustice don't define who you are. It shows you're free to live as God intended. But we can only do this if we get, let rid, get rid of our, our desire for revenge and seek to bless and forgive and overcome evil with good. Not that it is ever going to be easy. It's not an easy way. In some cases, it will be easier than others. But there may be situations that you're facing at the moment that are incredibly painful. And I don't want to suggest that this is something that you just decide to do. It happens and everything changes. It's not easy. It will take time. But forgiveness will always be costly. And just a couple of examples to finish with. A couple of weeks ago in the evening service, Karen mentioned uh, a guy, an Irish guy called Gordon Wilson. And in 1987, during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, an IRA bomb killed his daughter in Elliskin, Enniskillen. You may remember the attacks. And almost always, when the IRA attacked, there were revenge killings from the other side. But how Gordon Wilson responded to his daughter's death showed a better way. In a memorable quote on TV after the bomb, he said, I bear no grudge. I bear no ill will. And then he publicly forgave those who'd planted the bomb. And he said he'd pray for them. And he begged that no one took revenge for his daughter's death. Now, no one could accuse him of being weak or passive or a doormat or unconcerned about justice. But what he did do is he rose above revenge and he showed a better way. And he was following in the footsteps of his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, obeying his teaching and living like he did. On the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He is the supreme example of one who rose above revenge and showed a better way. And as a result, on the cross, good decisively overcame evil. The whole dynamic, not just of that situation, but of the whole of human history changed forever. Jesus teaches us and he shows us how to deal with difficult people. Jesus dealt with each one of us on the cross. He didn't get even, but he offered forgiveness and he offered a fresh start. And he shows us what it means to rise above revenge, to forgive those who've hurt us and to show the world a much, much better way. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your teaching and we thank you for your life, your example and ultimately your death and resurrection. We thank you that you rose above revenge. You offered forgiveness and showed us a better way. And we thank you that by the power of your Spirit, who you send to us, to be in us and with us and transform our lives, that by the power of your Spirit, we too can rise above revenge, can learn to forgive and can show the world a better way. Amen.